You're raised as an athlete to fight back. So why all of a sudden, when you retire, do you stop the good fight? This is Finding Center with Nick Hardwick. Yeah, well, to that point, uh, there were there was zero freelance in in our system. I mean, which is really incredible, right? I mean, for us as offensive linemen and offensive guys, we're kind of used to knowing that hey, you know, we've got to be you know where we need to be every time, every play. There is no ad libbing. There is you know, kind of doing it your way and figuring out a way to beat the guy. Like you got to do it very organized or it won't work at all. Hey guys, it's Nick. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. Thank you so much for the time that you've been given the Finding Center podcast. We hope to be giving you some critical information and perhaps inspiration to use on your journey towards health. If you have any recommendations at all or topics or people that you would like us to cover or interview, please DM me at Nick Hardwick or at Finding Center Podcast and I will do my best to get back to you. Any questions as well, I love hearing from you guys. You know, as far as health goes, here's a game I like to play. I like to think about my life in reverse. When I'm in my 80s, 90s, and even into my 100s, that's right, I said it, I'd love to be 100 years old, but only if I can do it with health. I want to be able to look back and know that I did everything possible to stave off neurocognitive decline. I want no regrets. As Dr. David Hazy said on one episode, the difference between being old and being an elder is retaining your wisdom. If we allow ourselves to slip physically, mentally, we are going to struggle as well. And with mental decline, we lose the essence of the person and all of that accumulated wisdom. What a shame. Dr. David Hazy says we should rage against that. I totally agree. If you're new here, the Hardwick family, we've announced a new supplement line with our name on it. It's called Hardwick.life. It's like Hardwick.com, but instead of .com, it's .life. My family has been taking these exact pharmaceutical-grade supplements for several years now. We love what they have provided us. Our philosophy is to do everything within our power today to ensure that we're giving ourselves the best chance possible of living a fulfilling life. Hardwick.life is centered around taking care of the fundamentals of health through an active lifestyle, getting proper nutrition and supplementation to boost our immunity and protection for the areas in our lives that need special attention. My goal is to restore brain health for a lifetime of running into other giant humans over 30,000 times. That's right, 30,000 head hits. That, as well as looking after my heart, which also I'm sure came under some damage being big and then getting small. And I also have a family history of heart disease. Those are vital for me. Jamie's concern is her immunity and her gut health. That's why she loves the foundation life and gut life. Whatever areas of need or concern you have, hardwick.life has you covered. Be sure to subscribe for 15% off and free shipping. When you do that, you're going to also get access to our simple family-friendly recipes to help get you started or keep you on track with your health journey. We are hardwick.life, foundational elements for a fulfilled life. Check us out. Also, guys, you know this. If you follow my stories on Instagram, at Nick Hardwick, then you already know I post almost every meal that I eat. I do it to show that health and maintaining a fit and active body and lifestyle, it's no trick, guys. It's consistency, consistently making good choices. One thing I've put into my body consistently since the company was founded in 2017 is Bub's Naturals Collagen Protein and MCT Oil Powder. One way or another, I have used Bub's religiously, daily. I swear by it. These days, since talking to Doc Amon, I have cut out coffee, but I still put the bubs in a protein hot chocolate that has been giving me my morning fix. I love it. It makes it creamier. You're going to love it too. As I know lots of you have taken me up on the recommendation. Jamie swears by it. She has a bit multiple times every single day. No other collagen brand can claim to be 100% NSF certified and donate 10% to charity. That is awesome. If you're in the San Diego area, Bub's products are now available at all Barron's markets. Stop in and pick some up today and see how conveniently health can fit into your life. If you don't have a Barron's near you or don't want to go to the store right now, I get it. Order it online at bubsnaturals.com. That's bubsnaturals.com. Use the code HARDWICK20 for 20% off that order at bubsnaturals.com. 
Joining us today on the Lessons from Legends segment of the Finding Center podcast, my good friend Matt Light. Matt Light is a former offensive tackle. He spent 11 years of his career playing for the New England Patriots, played college ball for my alma mater, Purdue University. He was picked by the Pats in the second round of the 01 draft after helping Purdue get to their first Rose Bowl appearance since 1967. Matt is a three-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Pro Bowler, one-time first-team All-Pro, member of the Pats All-2000s team, their 50th anniversary team, and a member of the Pats Hall of Fame. That was recent. In addition to Matt's athletic achievements, he's received a number of high-profile awards for his charity work. He received the New England Patriots Ron Burton Community Service Award in 05, and in 08, he was presented the President's Volunteer Service Award for his outstanding work in the community. That was by the Bush administration. In addition, he has been named the Pop Warner Humanitarian Award winner, the Gridiron Club's Man of the Year, member of the Purdue University Athletic Hall of Fame, named All Sport United's Humanitarian Award recipient, honored with the Boston Business Journal 40 Under 40 recipient for being a leader, making a philanthropic difference in the Boston community. And his philanthropic work is done through the Light Foundation established by Matt and his wife Susie in 2001. And the Light Foundation exists to give at-risk kids a better chance at leading healthy lives by using the great outdoors to learn and grow. You can see the buffalo in the back there. Check out their work at mattlight72.com or at Light Foundation on Instagram. He also runs a number of other companies. Super busy, successful dude, including Kiel Vodka, which recently won double gold at the 2019 SIP Awards. They are at Kiel, K-E-E-L, Vodka on Instagram. Matt Light, my good friend, amongst other things. How the hell are you, brother? Buddy, I am good, and, and I'm so sorry that you had to, you know, read through all of the, uh, I guess, I don't know, accomplishments, things. When I hear people do that, it's so uncomfortable for me, and I know, you know, you're kind of the same way, but I want to say at the end of that, and one hell of a model American. You exactly know? right. Ray <laughs> <laughs> Finkel in a clean pair. Oh, God, uh, and I will say that. I mean, seriously, though, some pretty amazing accolades from a, for a guy from a small town, Greenville, Ohio, population like 10, 12,000. From what I know about you, growing up as a kid, and I know parents now are a little sports crazy and thrust their kids into it as early and as often as possible, your, your childhood was a little bit different. I know you spent a ton of time in the outdoors. Where did the athletic journey begin? When did it begin? Gosh, you know, the, my, my earliest memory from the sports realm was Pop Warner football. We call it peewee football yeah. you know, in Ohio. And peewee football was something that um, I had a cousin that played. And other than that, I had no experience to fo- with anything in the football realm. But I think it really started because my mom was like, look, you're eating me out of house and home. <laughs> destroy everything around us like go do something and I think she was kind of the push and then because my cousin played you know I started playing football and it was just something I fell in love with I mean I love the you know the camaraderie I loved you know hitting people and not going to jail um you know I had a, I had a lot of good friends um and it was Ohio so it's a football area but by no means you know to your point Um, was I really into sports and athletics? My father, you know, had severe polio growing up, so he didn't have a background in sports. Um, and no one in my family really talked about it. So I kind of just fell into it. How did your dad have polio? I didn't know he had polio. How did that shape your upbringing at all? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think when I was younger, I didn't think about, you know, my parents and, and, and how much, influence you have on you from the people around you I think when you're younger and and I was kind of a I was definitely stubborn and bullheaded and I thought I had all the answers and you know like a lot of young kids I I definitely pushed the envelope when it came to my parents and I always had this amazing respect for both my parents but my father especially he's just a dynamic person um you know, he was he was diagnosed with polio at a young age, like so many were. He was just before the vaccination. And he spent probably the first five years of his life in a hospital, reconstructing his legs. Um, he had terrible heart conditions. Um, you know, I, I watched my dad probably go through four or five major heart attacks growing up. 
Um, so he's had all kinds of medical issues, but he's like 72 years old, 73 years old, and still doing great and still getting around. So I think it had a big effect on him. It made him somebody who always wanted to prove to people that he could do it because he wasn't able to do a lot of the things other kids did. And back then, it wasn't like there was a lot of pity. You know, it was like, hey, kid, figure it out. I mean, hey, I, I know you got some issues, but, you know, you, you got to do this. And he was, he was very independent, um, you know, very knowledgeable in everything that he did. And he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about the sports realm, too. Even though he never played, it was always about leverage. And he was an engineer, so it was how do you, you know, how do you do things better not because I did it, but because the physics say that this is how it should work. That's right. <laughs> if you were to boil down what your dad said or what lesson he taught you down to like a phrase or something that you carried with you for and in, in to this day that you carry with you, what would it be? You know, I think the thing that I take away and, and, and as a parent, and I know with your boys, you're you're going to be muttering a lot of the things that your father said oh God, over, yeah. over like we all do, right? Um, you know, the thing that I tell my boys that my father instilled in me from day one is we don't ever say I can't. Um, you know, it may, it may be difficult. It may be hard. You can say that you're struggling. You can say, but my father would never let us say I can't. And, that, and it was a big deal. And I knew that there was a lot of weight behind that. It, I knew that it meant you know, that you got to work hard and you got to push through things and you got to always, you know, go after whatever you're doing. And, and if you're going to do it, do it full tilt. But it all boiled down to this idea that, you know, things are hard and things can be really difficult. And he never sugarcoated any of that stuff either. But at the end of the day, whatever you put your mind to, you can do as long as you don't say I can't, because so many people in this world fall into the trap of, well, they said I couldn't do it. So I'm, I can't. Or I, I didn't do it the first time, so I don't really think I can do it a second time, you know, or, or give it a try the second time. And the truth is, you know, the amazing human spirit, and, and you look at the things that people have done in this world that defy logic, um, we can, we can almost do everything. And that's the biggest lesson I've taken from my father. The thing I always tell my boys is if they say something like that, it always has to be followed with yet. I can't do that yet i'm not good enough yet but you yeah. will if you keep working at it if you really want to be you can be but i love it it's like don't say you can't do anything i mean it's the same thought process like please come with the positivity not the negative side of thing when did you figure out you were onto something with football well i can i can tell you that, that the flip side is <laughs> when you feel like you're you're definitely in over your head and i can remember exactly when that happened nice. i yeah yeah i i showed up to the purdue student union um it must have been late july august as a as a true freshman you know basically mom and dad are here you go kid you know give you your bags they drop you off i walk in and i'm standing at the check-in counter and a guy comes and stands on my left, and I look over, and I'm like, wow, that's a big dude. And then a guy stands on my right, and I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> and they're checking in just like I'm checking in, and they're freshmen. And I'm like, oh, man, I think I bit off more than I can chew here. <laughs> and the guy to my left was Dave Nugent, who I played with here in New England. The yeah. guy to my right was Chucky Akobe, who played, you know, in Pittsburgh. And I know, you know, that's you right. know these guys and. And, and they were huge. Like they were, like they were coming in benching well over 500 pounds. I'd never seen a weight room. I'd never. Did you not lift at Greenville? <laughs> no, no, we had bales of hay and fields and, and it worked <laughs> pretty well for all of us. But um, so, you know, that moment, that realization, I will never forget that. And I think, you know, going back to that, you know, idea of, of what your parents instill in you, my dad, I think, you know, always telling me no matter what you come up, you know, against or, or what you're working on, you can do it. And I, I think I probably just kind of got in line mentally and said, well, I better figure it out because they're paying for my school and I committed. <laughs> but, you know, as far as knowing that I had it, I, I don't, you know, I, I just felt very fortunate um, my senior year that, you know, you're getting all these letters and, you know, the process is so unique and, 
you know, for the families that have been through it, it can be very daunting. It can, you know, cause a lot of anxiety and stuff, but I can just remember, like, I just felt blown away that people were going to give me an opportunity because my father had told me, he said, Hey, I'd messed up and got myself in a little bit of trouble. And he said, Hey, look, you know, you're your own man. Don't worry about apologizing to me. You should be apologizing to yourself. And oh, okay. And he says, look, and by the way, you're, you're about to be out of this house and, and I'm not paying school. So if you're going to go to college, you better figure out how to pay for it. And it was probably a month later, I started receiving the, the, you know, the offers and, and the recruiting process started. And I thought, wow, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and then you talk about biting off more than you can chew. Was Danny Hope your offensive line coach when you first showed up there? He was he was, the offensive yeah. line coach the, the whole time? Yes. Yeah. My, my entire time at Purdue, Coach Hope was the, was the guy. What was that experience like? Well, you know, um, you know, I, I had, I had such an awesome family growing up. And so sometimes when I hear people say that guy was like a father to me, it's, it, it's kind of a slight, I feel like maybe to your own father, but in this case, um, my dad would say the same thing, you know, like Danny Hope and his style, um, how he treats you as an individual. I mean, he's just, he's so good at relating to guys and getting the best out of his players. And it took me a while to realize that I could live, you know, through what he was doing to us on a regular basis. And, and, oh, there, there was, there was just wasn't a day off. I mean, there wasn't uh, an opportunity to, you know, slack or, or any, anything else when, when coach hope was at the helm and, and, you know, he, he made men out of a lot of, you know, boys that showed up thinking that they had all the answers and, and he forced us to do things the right way. And, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that man and what he did. When you look back at all of it, what do you think your greatest strength is that has allowed all of the success football career academically with the family outside in the business world, the philanthropic world, it, what would, what would it be? Wow, you know, I, I think I'm in the category of so many that, um, you know, I, I definitely have a competitive nature. I mean, you know, oh, us yeah. athletes, you know, that's it's kind of ingrained in us that we love to compete. I do love to compete, um, and and I do like to win. But those those things aren't what drive me. It's not what where my passion comes from. You know, I love seeing incredible people doing incredible things, and you know, I've always been inquisitive as to, you know, what makes that person so good at what they do. And, I, and so I've tried to emulate so many of the people in my life that have blown me away in, in, in so many different fields. Like I've, I've got an interest in everything, right? Like people are like, well, what are you into? I'm literally into anything, anything and everything that involves people and, and doing things at a high level and working hard and competing um, and so I would say that probably my best strength is just being able to, you know, recognize in, in others things that are beneficial to not just myself, but the greater group, and then try to join in, in lockstep with them to accomplish something great. And whether that's through the foundation or, you know, with, with Keel or with some of our property management, um, you know, I, I think that approach has served me well because it also takes into account that you're dealing with real people and it's the relationships and it's, it's seeing their success and it's, and it's, it's, it's walking alongside of them in an effort to learn and gain and all that stuff. And I think that whenever you, you bring that kind of love and that kind of, you know, connection to the things that, that, that you really enjoy, you're going to be successful. And, and, I, and I don't know how to measure real success from a personal level, but I know what it looks like when we do things as a team, whether it's, again, one of our programs for the foundation or it's hitting a milestone with a business. Um, it's awesome, but it's not about, you know, the winning. It's about what you do to get there and the people alongside you. Matt, why do you think the Pats drafted you? Oof. I, I, I think after about a year, they were asking <laughs> You thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think they were asking the same thing. Um, you know, I, it's funny because I had never seen a game in my life, right? Um, 
I go to Purdue and, and I, I'm a kid growing up in the Midwest like you. And I, because I didn't watch a lick of football, not ever, not once. Um, I didn't know Purdue was in the big 10. I just knew they had a great engineering program and they were going to give me a full ride. And I really enjoyed my visit there. And, you know, um, so when I, when I, when I went through the draft process, I hadn't a clue where I would potentially end up. And, and I didn't know that I didn't know the conferences. I didn't know who was in the conferences, but I got a call and it was the Patriots. And they said, Hey, we're thinking about taking you. And I, I remembered at that point that there was a scout for the Pats that showed up to camp one day or to uh, practice one day. And I remember people talking about, there's a guy from the New England Patriots and he's here watching guys. And I, I didn't think anything of it from, from my angle. I just figured they're there looking at Drew and looking at a number of guys that ended up getting drafted that year. And I, I didn't find out until afterwards that he was there because somebody came up and they were like, hey, the guy that's here uh, probably, you know, thinks you're an idiot. Because I, at the start of that practice, noticed that some of our, our teammates at the time during stretch were being kind of quiet and pouting and nobody was really amped up for practice. So I thought it'd be a great idea to go running around clotheslining people while they were getting ready. <laughs> And uh, and then I went up to the top of the hill and started beating up a, a, a bag. And, and it was literally not for no better reason other than just to fire guys up. And I was really trying to fire myself up because I was feeling the same way. And then I was, you know, it was my senior year. And I'm like, man, we can't allow this to happen. We got to have a good practice. So maybe that's why he just saw that there's some, you know, fat white dude that's out of his mind. And we think we can maybe make something out of him. But other than that, I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, that is awesome. Did you find yourself a lot of times being a cheerleader at practice? Because I, I personally loved practice, and I was a guy who had to get everybody else going. I, I didn't go to the extremes like that, but it was always kind of the positive talk. Come on, man, we can get through this. One more practice, then we get a good break. Come on, let's do this. Did you find yourself as a cheerleader a lot? Yeah, at times, I think um... – I, I loved all of the uh, the joking around. I loved, you know, practical jokes and setting people up and not not to laugh at them, but to laugh with them. I mean, that, that yeah. was like something that I grew up with. And, um, you know, but, but I do, I, I always felt like if the team was really down, you know, we had to bring levity. I mean, it, I, I just hated being under a cloud of, you know, you know, we're, we're upset because we lost. Okay, well, let, let's move on and, and let's win the next one. And, and so, yeah, I think the cheerleading, you know, every team needs it. Every team has to have it. You got to have the right balance of it. And um, that was honestly probably one of my strengths. I mean, I sure as heck wasn't the strongest and I wasn't the fastest. Um, better looking, of course, fit that category. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Outside of that ridiculous uh, comment, um, I think really what I was able to do was, you know, create a little bit of levity when we needed it, have a little fun and and try to, you know, keep the the, the mental side of the game um, not as stressful, I guess. Give me your best practical joke. <laughs> well, we've had quite a few. Um <laughs> As a, as a, as knowing, a no incriminating practical jokes, but right. Yeah. 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 No, none of the, none of what I'm about to say is real. Um, but I will say that I, I, I enjoyed messing with Bill during my playing days. Um, and we had a lot of time to, uh, come up with great things. And, and one of my all time favorites, and I've told this quite a bit over the years is I put a shocking mouse in his office, um, for his computer. Yes. And that was that was an absolute awesome moment. I, I will never forget his reaction to that. Um, it it didn't go over well for us when we got to practice, and he <laughs> had to stay after and run a little extra. Um, but outside of football, I did take a, about a year and a half to set up a buddy of mine, and um, he ended up going out and hunting uh, an albino osceola, and it ended up weighing over forty pounds. And when he looked it up. He found out that in the state of Florida, an albino osceola, which is a, a, a turkey, um, is, is almost impossible. Like, they don't happen. They're very, very rare. And on top of that, at 40-some pounds, it was the biggest one in the history of the world. 
And he ended up being featured on the cover of Florida Game and Fish. He ended up, you know, with uh, mounting the bird, having it stuffed, right? And, mounted, <laughs> and probably told everyone that he came in contact with for a year that he had killed this bird. And in front of 500 people on a stage, um, he found out that that wasn't a real turkey. Oh, no. Not a what real was one. It? Yeah. Yeah, it was a broad-breasted white turkey, the same one that you can find millions of in barns being raised as like all over this great country of ours. And we put it in the woods. And, and I'm telling you, he hunted that thing. It was unbelievable. So uh, <laughs> that was one of my more favorites. And for one year, he was the greatest turkey hunter on earth. And on stage in front of 500 people, he told a story because we filmed the whole thing. And the first time he saw the video, was when he was on stage. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh. And he's a great friend, by the way, and still is a friend because he's he, he's got a good sense of humor, and we laugh like oh. heck. But that was a good one. He hasn't he hasn't put you aside because of that thing. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god, exactly. that is so good on the cover of Florida Game and Florida. What is it? Field Game. And game? Fish, yeah. Oh, Game and Fish. That is such that is good stuff, Matt. We hear about. And, and like in sports talk radio, of course, like people who weren't in the building with you hear about the Patriot way all the time. And it's like, you know, we speculate on what it was and how it was created and all this, but you were there before the Super Bowl championships and were a part of the first three championships. How did you get the culture moving in the right direction? What was the culture? What is the Patriot way? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, that year in 2001, which was my rookie year, and, and that was the first, you know, Super Bowl win in, in the franchise history, right? We had an unbelievable camp. We had so many guys get hurt. Um, it, it, it literally seemed very disjointed. Um, our quarterback coach, Dick Rabine, passed away during training camp. Wow. Um, there was just a lot of weight on that season. And then of course, 9-11. And, you know, I think it was a combination, like all great things, you know, it's, it's never just one thing here and there. We had an amazing mix of veteran players, guys like Anthony Pleasant, you know, that a lot of people don't know that name. You don't even know it. Yeah, Grant Williams, um, guys that were backups that Bill brought in um, because of their leadership and, and, and the kind of men that they were. Um, and then we, we also had 9-11. And as a player, there was just more weight in the room. Joe Andruzzi, he had three brothers who were in the towers, in and out of the towers as firefighters in New York City. Um, I think it just made things so much more real. And then, of course, we had the transition from Bledsoe to Brady during that season as well. And, and all those things were dynamic moments for any team to go through. But then you couple that with Bill and his attention to detail and the ways in which he gets people around him, players, coaches, and everyone else to focus solely on the task at hand. Um, you know, we, we started to slowly meld into what you see today and, and Bill fine-tuned it. And, and, and I break it down this way. The Patriot way to me is we had this saying on the door going in, do your job, work hard, be attentive, put the team first. And then on the way out, it would say, ignore the noise, don't fuel the hype, manage expectations, and speak for yourself. And each one of those, Bill would hit each day as to the importance and how it played a role. The things that are tangible, the things that are intangibles as it relates to you being a better player and working harder and and, and going the extra mile and all the things required to have success. And, 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 and I think that the Patriot way is just ingraining those core principles on a regular basis, relentlessly in that pursuit to perfection and, and never being satisfied, you know, with anything along the way, because you always want to make it better. Um, and that's what we were able to do uh, for the most part, you know, and with, with great people, great players for sure, but a really unique approach. It seems like he had it pared down to the essentials. Not only, yeah. not only from a mindset, but from a game plan standpoint, it's very essentials. And you knew in, in playing your teams over the years, 
it, it was always like you knew exactly what you were supposed to be doing on any given play where in our games, the way we approached them, there was a lot more ad lib, a lot more freestyle and a lot more kind of just guys doing what they feel in the moment where it seemed like you guys had drilled and rehearsed and had understood all the situations. And I mean, like you said, on the way into the door, you know, the tenants and on the way out the door, you know, the tenants, I don't think we could have, you could have asked five guys in the building, what was your philosophy for us? And we could have echoed those back to you because everybody would have had their own play hard one play at a time. That's all we had. The interruption once again. So while you're waiting this out at home with us, you can still have some fun betting online. Check out my friends at betonline.com. How long do you want to bet this COVID-19 quarantine last? I don't know, a month, 45 days, 60 days. What are we looking at? I know no March Madness or any of your leagues, but betonline.com still has hundreds of places to wager their online casino with poker and blackjack and sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts, American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. There's still fun to be had. So go to betonline.com, use the promo code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD, P-O-D, 100 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. For our listeners, 50% off with the promo code MYPOD100, betonline.com. The fun never ends. Yeah. Well, to that point, there were there was zero freelance in, in our system, I mean, which is really incredible, right? I mean, for us as offensive linemen and offensive guys, we're kind of used to knowing that, hey, you know, we've got to be, you know, where we need to be Every time, every play, there is no ad-libbing. There is, you know, kind of doing it your way and figuring out a way to beat the guy. Like, you got to do it very organized or it won't work at all. Right. Defensively, though, we know that that's a different beast. You can – a lot of teams turn guys loose on the edge. They turn guys loose on the interior. Um, they let them kind of figure out their way uh, uh, to, 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 to do what they need to do best. That was – not the case in New England. I mean, none of those defensive guys had the ability to just kind of make a play. I mean, it wasn't going to happen, right? So it was very disciplined. It was very organized. And Bill would say to us after we had a long week of preparation and, you know, walkthroughs for walkthroughs to get ready for the walkthrough. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But he, once we got to the end of the week, he would let us know with no uncertainty that, hey, look, here's the three keys. These are the three things that we have to do offensively. These are the three things that we have to do defensively. And these are the three things on a, from the special team standpoint that we can't give up. And if we do those, we'll be in a good position to win the game. And I'm going to tell you, he was spot on week to week. And it wasn't the same things every week. You know, we're going to play the Chargers. You guys got this unbelievable rush attack. You know, you guys can run the ball up and down the field. Well, we're not going to let you get to the edge. That would be one of them. You know, we're going to take away the edge. We, whatever we do, they may get us up the middle, but we're not going to give them the edge. Or we're not going to let that guy beat us on third down. You know what I mean? So right. it was – and, and I'm sure that there was a lot of teams that would do that, but he practiced us and he prepared us to do those things every week. Yeah, and I think when you can drill it into the guys' heads time and time again, that's when the understanding really takes place. It's one thing to throw it out there, hey, we have to take care of this, take care of this. But when everybody understands that minutia, the detail in the game plan, that's when all the success can really take off. Who got a hold of you when you were a young player and mentored you? You know, um, Grant Williams, actually. Grant was a guy that was a, a tackle. He was a swing tackle and you know, he was a guy that he just had this calming effect, even though he was like six foot nine, you know, 330 pounds. Wow. Um, he was just like the gentle giant. And as a, as a young kid coming into an organization and having the, the first year that, that, that we ended up having that year and, and, and the Super Bowl and all that stuff, I think it, it would have been very easy for me to not only got complacent, but gotten cocky and, you know, not done the things that, that got me to that position. So, you know, Grant took me under his wing early on. And he was a guy that spoke a lot of wisdom, spoke a lot of truth. He brought us faith um, on full display. And, 
was just a solid rock solid mentor in that locker room let me ask you this i'll share mine first and then you share yours i've got a guess of who yours is the toughest guy you've ever faced mine mine is richard seymour and i know he was your teammate for a long time but i'm sure he was a massive pain in the ass because playing him when he was in new england he was a pain in the ass and then bill traded him to oakland and i had to play him twice a year and we just did not like one another and he was a hell of a football player, long, athletic, strong, smart, and a, and a huge dick. I mean, just, just <laughs> yeah, a total all he was, And just on top of everything, I mean, it's rare to find the guy who's got all of the other attributes, and then on top of that is an ass. And, and he yeah. was that, which made him just wildly, wildly competitive and difficult to handle. It was, it was a ton of fun. It brought the best out of me. How about you? You're toughest guy you had to face i got a guess but i'll wait till you share all right so without a doubt uh hands down the guy that i and i still to this day would say that he's the greatest to play that position but dwight freeney he and i i mean he they, they the colts might as well have been in the afc east you yeah. know because we played them during the regular season we always ended up playing them during the postseason and when you had the game plan against Dwight Freeney and and of course Mathis being you know the 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 counterpart to him and what he was doing and 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 had a lot of success on his in his own right obviously but Dwight Freeney had a game and had moves that were lethal and I used to tell people all the time kids come up to me and say you know hey um you know I gotta I I, I really want to be a great left tackle I've been studying this that and the other what do you got to do and and what about the guys you face and I used to tell them all the time when you're playing against a defensive end that has one move that is like superior, that guy could be a pro bowler in the, in the national football league. Well, one move, you know, and, yeah. and, and you've seen guys over the years, you know, think of, you know, like Bruce Smith. I mean, he had one move that killed people for a long time. Yeah. Reggie white, same thing. Re- Reggie white. I mean the hump, I mean like you imagine like you're that good. They know it's coming and they, and they can't stop you. I mean, yep. that's, that's a Pro Bowl player. Dwight Freeney had three all-world moves that would kill you on yep. any given basis. And, and so that's why, you know, and then look, people can bring up stats and they can say what they want. And he's in the list of some of the all-time greats, right? But I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it out there. We did everything we could to stop that guy. It wasn't just me. I mean, there was times where I, I, I had eyes on him and so did two other guys. Oh yeah. You know? So the world was blocking Dwight Freeney and yet he still posted unbelievable numbers and he wrecked games individually wrecked games. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was absolute nightmare. I mean, an absolute, just, he had the speed, the strength and the agility. I mean, the speed to, to just take the edge and collapse it, the strength to just lift you out of your shoes because he had that short stature, he was compact, but he was super strong too. And I, I mean, I, I tell, I've seen him embarrass virtually every tackle that he faced. Like that's nightmare-inducing kind of stuff when you're thinking about facing him the night before a huge game, AFC Championship game, and it's like this game's kind of on me. I mean, I can't imagine how many times you thought that. Man, and, and, you're, and you're going to the RCA Dome or whatever, Lucas Oil, whatever you want to call it, and it's loud. Like, it's literally one of the loudest places oh, yeah. on earth. And he, you're trying to look at the ball and keep this guy. I used to tell people all the time, I'd say, you know, like, like hey, listen, Nick, as a center, all you got to do is get it back there and you don't have to worry about looking at the ball, okay? But for all of us that are well removed, this is my world, right? I'm here, I'm looking at the ball, and then I look over to see if Freeney's done anything. And then I kind of look outside to see if there's a corner creeping up, and then I come back to Freeney, and then back to the ball, and then we snap. <laughs> That's some good stuff right there. Oh, God. Give me your greatest accomplishment. Football, non-football, whatever. Man, you know, it's definitely the work we do through the Light Foundation. It's it's been incredible for me to be around my family, the people that influence my life, um, my kids, um, everybody that I love is a part of it. And they all bring so much to the table. And then I get to see them interacting with other kids. 
um, and, and just the impact that it's made and, and our staff and, and the work that we do. And, you know, it's an important thing right now. I mean, you got people that are sitting inside and, you know, they're, they're afraid to go out. And um, there's a lot, you know, that we have to worry about in the normal course of life. And, and we're not able to do some of the things we're doing, but I'm just sitting here thinking, man, when we get things turned back on and we go back to work, I can't wait to get kids out of the camp and, and start our programming back up and, and do what we do because it's a blast. I mean, it's a, it, and it's, it's a lifelong habit, you know, um, you know, something that I, I look forward to doing for the rest of my time. Well, I've been out to the camp, but I got to say, it's amazing. I haven't been there when the kids are there, but if it's open, I would love to come join you because I, I love the work that you do. Matt, give me your most humbling moment or the moment that you had to dig so deep and, and take something from that changed you forever? You know, it was my battle with Crohn's. It, it, in, in one way, it's the gift that keeps giving. Unfortunately, it's not the one you want, right? <laughs> right. Um, I've met so many people that suffer from Crohn's and they have it far worse than I do. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a moment where I'd been battling Crohn's and I, I, I didn't take any medication while I played and it just didn't seem like the right move to make. And so therefore it was, it was kind of a tough thing to battle. And, and I had to have about 16 inches of my intestine removed and, and that's not a fun process. Um, wow. But in that, in that fight for, you know, am I going to be okay? Am I going to have to live with a bag? Am I ever going to play football again? it forced me to ask myself a lot of questions like what's important and, 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 and what am I really doing? And what, what if I don't come back? And, and I think that anytime you battle something that's, that's really real, you know, um, a lot of young people think they've gone through things and eh, you find out later in life that yeah, that wasn't really that much. So, you know, my battle with Crohn's and overcoming that um, was, was a very humbling moment in it. And, and, it may sound weird to say this, but in a big way, I'm, I'm glad I have it because I think it kept me really grounded. I think it got me to see things from a different point of view. Um, and I'd like to not have it on most days, but um, in the grand scheme of things, I think it'll serve me well, uh, the lessons I've learned through it all. You've had some other health scares too. I remember at one point you had a, like the silver bullet antibiotic that you had to take. You'd recently had like a, a lung scare because of the barn work that you're doing and, and whatever you got into doing that. I mean, you're, you're no stranger to pushing it right up to the brink. Yeah. And I'm the biggest baby on earth. I'm the worst patient. I doctors hate me because I'm a pain in the butt and I hate needles. Like literally I'm like the, elephant in the mouse. Oh, dude. I mean, look, I used to tell the, the, the checker all the time. You don't have to worry about testing my pee. I would never, inject anything in my body because I'm afraid of the damn needle. <laughs> what a the worst job in America, by the way. Oh, just the guy who sits in that little office that is essentially a huge stall with a door on it and watches other men pee. Yeah, yeah, pee. exactly. You know, I, I hear so many people talk about, oh well, you know, I'm never going to retire. I'm, you know, like, how's retirement? Oh, I should have never retired. I love my, you know, love my work, miss it. That, that guy would not. <laughs> Do, uh, can you get a hold of Mike Rowe and have him sign up for dirty jobs? Oh, that, that would be amazing. Perfect. It, what a weird setting too, because every organization, <laughs> everybody tries to be so secretive and don't let guys into these areas and, you know, this, that, and the other, they always have him sitting in like some obscure corner of a room that nobody goes in, you know, it's oh. like, yeah, very, it's, just, it's awful. It stinks in there. Guys don't treat you well. It's just, I mean, talk, it's just humiliating. You, you mentioned retirement. How well did you handle leaving the game and transitioning away from it? And what, what was the decision like to finally say, all right, that's enough. You know, it was interesting. I mean, in my mind, I never, I had never set a timetable for when I played, but uh, going into my 10th season, I, I remember thinking to myself like, wow, this is the 10th year. It happened out of nowhere. Like how quickly that, that occurred. And I remember thinking, you know what, maybe this will be the last one. And then we had the lockout and the CBA and, you know, you were a big part of that. And 
you know how much effort, you know, everybody placed on oh, yeah. getting back to work and excuse me. So, you know, so after my 10th season, we're going into the lockout and things were really different. And we all put a lot of time into to, to get ourselves back into position to play the game. And I thought, you know what, I am, I'm going to play one more. So I knew going into my last season that it would be my last. And, you know, I think that was very comforting for me because I played, you know, I get, I put everything out there and, and I, and I had to do that anyway, just, you know, that was just my style, but um, I had a great time. I really enjoyed it, but I reconciled, you know, uh, before the season began that this was it. And, you know, we had a great season that year, um, didn't win at all, but came really close. And I walked away from the game feeling as though, you know what, my daughter, who is now a senior and she's graduating this year. Wow. Um, I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, she's closer to being out of my home than in my home. And now I can actually, you know, experience being a dad in a different way. And I can, you know, do some things in the real world. I always called the football world, you know, something other than real. Cause it's really not, I mean, people it's so make real. It. Yeah. It's not real. That's not it's real not. life. So I really looked forward to getting into the real world and, and starting some businesses and, and furthering the mission of the foundation. And so, you know, I was, I guess I was fortunate um, from that standpoint. And, and we had done a lot of things to build up to that moment. And a lot of things have been put in place and, and made that transition easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it's gone pretty good. I've seen it not go so well. And it's, and it definitely is a tough transition. I woke up a lot, with a lot of nightmares, mayor seeing, you know, Dwight Freeney across the line, but uh, soon realized that I was in the safety of my bed. So make the bad man go away. Just, just exactly. make it all in. All right. Last one, before we talk about a upcoming event you have with the foundation, if you have a motto or if you have a motto, what would it be? Oh man. You know, so many things in my life come back to one word and it's an acronym. Um, but it's, it's, it's real. We use it, um, in my family and through the foundation and, you know, with friends and such. And we talk about being responsible, ethical, accountable, and at the end of the day, a leader. And I think that the word leader in and of itself conjures up, you know, a CEO or the boss or somebody else. And I think too often we forget about the number of people who are incredible leaders, but aren't necessarily labeled as a leader. Um, because we all have the ability to lead um, in our own, you know, circles, in our own communities, in our own families. And it's such a, it's such an important thing. And we, a lack of leadership, we all know what that looks like. You know, whether you talk about politics or you talk about businesses or you talk about football teams. I mean, it's all the same. So I guess my motto would be is, you know, are you real? You know, are you responsible, ethical, accountable? Are you a leader? And, and more to that, I like to talk about how people say, like, how many real friends do you have? Two, because if you have two really good friends that, that are real people, that really hold you accountable, that are really there for you when you need them, you know, that, that embody the things that you want, you know, that's really good, right? Some people are more fortunate than that. Some people have 10 or 12. So I love the idea of being real. I love the idea of, you know, really being there for people and, and what real represents. And I try to, you know, I don't do a very good job some days, but I try to live that, you know, on a daily basis when I can. Love it, Matt. As real as they come. All right, before we go, your foundation, the Light Foundation, just kicked off a really cool raffle to raise money. Tell me about it. Yeah, so we've done these raffles for a long time. This is a game day, Tampa. Um, this, is, this is all new now. It is, yeah. We just launched yesterday. So, you know, we're sitting at the foundation and we're not able to do programming, but we're also not able to do fundraising. And, you know, so many people are affected and so many nonprofits are going to struggle. Um, yep because people can't give what they don't have. And so we're, we try to find creative ways to do things. And these raffles are great because, you know, when you have an, like a, a literally once in a lifetime opportunity to do something and you don't have the million dollars to spend on it, it's nice when you have the ability to get a million people to maybe put up $10 each and you use the, the masses 
to raise money in a unique way. And, and that's what this thing does. So these raffles, this raffle is an opportunity for people to spend as little as 10 bucks or go for more and you get online raffle tickets. And then when we draw the name, the winner is going to get to go down with a friend to Tampa, see Brady and Gronk, uh, you know, the Patriots South. The down whole there game. Yeah. Playing um, against the Saints. And it's going to be a great game. After the oh, game, wow. meet, yeah, Breeze um, and Brady and Gronk, um, you know, they'll get stuff signed by those guys. And, you know, for anybody that loves football, it's a cool package. So, you know, game day raffle, we've got all the information there. Uh, you can sign up for a little. So it's like, you know, hey, take a chance. Maybe get, you know, 10 bucks worth of tickets for your cousin or your uncle or a big sports fan. Because this will be an opportunity for them to meet the two best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And, you know, we're biased for Breeze because of, you know, the, the alma mater and, yeah. and Purdue and everything else. But you can't find a better human being on earth. And together, those two definitely represent what um, the game is all about for sure. So it, it'll be a fun package. And we're looking forward to raising a lot of money for the foundation and the work we do. Oh, that's good stuff. So I'm going to be buying tickets, gamedaytampa.com, gamedaytampa.com. That is good stuff, bud. Matt, so appreciative of your time and the wisdom and the lessons and just for being you, dude. Thank you. Well, listen, it's, uh, it's awesome to be on your show, show podcast. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not, it's all the same. It's whatever. I've, I've loved listening to some of your other episodes and uh, you're doing an awesome thing, man. You, your, your boys, your entire family, uh, love you, love what you do, love what you represent and uh, look forward to talking with you down the road. Matt, I'll see you. I'll see you hunting at some point in Ohio. Yes, indeed. All right, buddy. Love you. Thanks, man. All right, gang. That's all we've got for this episode of the Finding Center podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed doing it. One thing that would really help both of us and other potential new listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with us on social media. I'm at Finding Center Podcast and at Nick Hardwick. And follow, be sure to do this, at hardwick.life for great health information, recipes, and healthy lifestyle tips. And please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy. I like to send specific episodes to people that I keep in mind while doing the podcast. Maybe you could do the same thing while you're listening. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, here's all the health to you.